Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in, where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Gerard, you know, how do I get more clarity on my outcomes? Now we had a brief kind of uh, touch point before this conversation around what it means, what it looks like and what it could what it could become. But what would you say that is for you now? How do you perceive that question to start with and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, really. I know we were chatting before. I'm fascinated to see what yours and everyone else's perspective is on the question in the room because I think there's many different ways to to potentially tackle the question. You know, are we talking pre-session? Are we talking during? Are we talking post and that reflection? Um, And even then, there's different ways of in that. I mean, for me, clarity, you know, on my outcomes, if we're talking about the the session outcomes or it could even be match day outcomes, objectives for the players. How do I gain clarity on that? You know, one way could be asking the players, you know, asking the players, checking for understanding, um, co-designing with the players, so involving them in the process. Because, again, that's a great way of ensuring clarity for them. You know, it's all well and good. Well, you'd like to hope we know what we're talking about, but... The most important thing is we've got to make sure that we don't have all the answers and we're not the ones walking away from the session going, well, I understood it. The players need to understand it. Then they need to understand the relevance of why. Like, what's the relevance to me and why? That's the clarity piece, which is so, so important. And I think asking them for what their interpretation is of of the outcomes and, and whether they think they're realistic or not, how you can make it more challenging is a great place to start and evolve, you know, within a, within a session and what have you. Um, and you can even do it during game day, you know, when you're setting out your outcomes or your objectives, whether that be pre-game or be during the half-time and you're revisiting that with players, you know, and asking them, you know, how the opposition are playing, how does that affect us, what are our objectives, how are we achieving them, yes or no, all these type of questions. Um, I think another way would be to 
really think about how simple and concise. So if you're thinking pre-planning, like how concise and clear are the outcomes? So let's take a training session. If if we can't explain it in a simple headline um, or a one-liner, then how easy is it going to be to understand for the players? You know, and, and other opportunities where the players can get real rich and varied experiences within that outcome, because that's another key piece. So you don't just want to, you know, laser in too much and forget that and start eliminating principles that are important to the game. We'll have our outcomes, but it's important that we've got to think about like the relevance to the players, as I mentioned before. But equally, how can we provide like varied experiences? So really think about does the design of whatever we're doing give us what we're planning for? You know, and that's a good reflective piece to start on. I think post and even during sessions, you could also ask other coaches. You know, so I'm giving three couple of examples there. There's many, many more, but you know, I don't want to obviously do everything in one opening sentence. But yeah, one could be even and I've done this before, like people watching session, what did you think? And sometimes it's a great way to ask somebody who's not even necessarily in the same sport as you. You know, if you've got people from other sports who are hovering around, that could be quite cool. Um, if not, another coach could be another coach from another age group or whoever who's just managed to get eyes. Are they able to identify what you're working on? Is it clear? You know, and, and I would argue like it should be. You know, I, I shouldn't be watching the design and looking at the, the interventions or some of the questions you're asking and thinking, oh, he's working on this. And then you tell me you're working on something different. You know, it should be pretty clear what it is you're working on and do the outcomes marry uh, what it is that you, you've designed? You know, is there that constructive alignment? So, again, getting feedback from somebody else who's watching from afar, from a distance, or it could be someone you could co-coaching with. You know, if me and Yaz are running a session together, I might be so involved in uh, the leading of, of certain stuff. And if Yaz is uh, more stepping back and he's working on individuals and things, he might be able to see things that I'm not or vice versa. And then, uh, you know, and I might be able to say, oh, actually, um, remember, like, this is our outcome here. Actually, is this clear enough? Do we need to change it? How can we make it clearer for the players? How can we manipulate where the goals are? in create a, a more clearer method of scoring in order to achieve the outcome that we want. So we wanted this outcome, outcome being X. Well, because of the nature of the practice or the rules of the game, we're not going to be able to achieve that. But if we move the goals here or we change the way in which they can score, maybe now we can achieve the outcome. So there's more clarity on why. Um, and think about ways in which you could do that. So, you know, there's just a few examples. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, I don't know if that's the same on piece with what you're thinking, Yaz, or if it's totally miles apart. I'd be interested to see what you think. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot in there, Joe. You know, I think first and foremost for me, and I'm looking at the question from two perspectives, is it's, it's that pre-session planning phase. You know, how am I identifying what my, what my outcomes are? And, you know, how can I be clear on what they are before I step into the session? But also looking at it from some of the points that you touched on, you know, it's also have I actually met the outcomes you know, have 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 them had the outcomes been achieved in terms of what was set in the initial stages? But I think for me, one of the real considerations to make here is: Are we 
setting outcomes just for the sake of setting outcomes, or actually aligning outcomes to the needs of the environment, whether that be from um, an individual player perspective, group group perspective, or even that of the coach. Because I think often we say, you know, we're, we're, the outcomes are set around what the players need. I think sometimes it's also important to consider what the coach needs. So, you know, if, if you are a coach and you're in, you know, you, you you're looking at your own development, even you know what, what, what the outcome that you set yourself and how does it align with what the players require. So I think there's a few different kind of uh, you know avenues we've kind of touched on there, but I guess you know my question to you would be is in each of those kind of pathways, what are some of the questions and considerations you're actually taking into place when you're identifying what your outcomes should be that essentially lead you down the path of getting more clarity on what those outcomes eventually become. And whether they've been achieved or not, if that makes sense. Well, I'll always try and think about like how well do they marry up with the age and needs of the players? Because equally, we could be setting something. It's difficult because learning and performance is non-linear, and I've never been a huge fan of saying like you know at this stage they can do this and then at this stage they can do this because even though that can be some frame of a guide, as we all know, we've all been working different age groups there'll be some kids who can outperform that, you know, no different to a school environment where they'll have the stages within the curriculum, but there'll be there'll be kids who, as an example, you know, if you were to think about it, chronologically, the kid could be 12 years old, but, you know, his ability technically, his physicality and, and other qualities, his decision-making could be much, much older than his actual chronologically. So, I think, but then equally, you've, you've got to make sure that, like, if you are working with players at that stage of their format being 7v7 or 9v9 or wherever it may be, you know, or 11v11, it's U13, it's making sure that we're not um, overstretching them and we're, we're designing something that meets their needs. So, and it's a difficult challenge because there'll always be those that are striving, there'll always be those that are struggling. And there'll be always those that are just getting along and they're in the middle, aren't they? They're coping. Um, And that'll fluctuate, you know, and that'll fluctuate between not just, you know, the outcomes that you're designing, but even like practices. There'll be some, and days, obviously, you know, what day you wake up on. But there'll be some sessions where some players are striving and they're flying. And there'll be other periods within the season or, or certain practices where they're not striving and they're actually in the bottom of their group. And it'll expose them in different ways. So, I think whenever I'm trying to think about the clarity of my outcomes, I'm always thinking back to the players, which is what you talked about. I'm always thinking about where does this fit with their needs and stage and where they're at in their journey? You know, what, where are they on that bus stop? Where are you picking them up at? Where are they going to next? I think the other thing to think about is, again, your principles. So, like, if you've got a very clear way of playing, if you've got clear principles – and even values. So I'll give an example with our club. You know, we might be working on the principle of breaking lines, but within the same session, we're also making sure that we're embedding our values. You know, so we have our sporting values that basically determine how we want our players, our coaches, everyone to behave. They're the non-negotiables. So we have to find ways that we're always rewarding those behaviours, but also demonstrating that. You know, coaches have to demonstrate respect or they have to demonstrate, um, 
you know, work ethic or whatever it may be, you know, self-learning, like promoting problem solving, things like that, ownership. But players have to take ownership for the learning as well, you know, and then you have to create environments where players, and that could be an outcome, you know. How many times within the practice are you giving them opportunities in small group chats where they can lead and they can answer questions or they can come up with strategies like tactical warfare to outplay the opposition? So you're giving them opportunities to discuss. So we're playing a game where you're like, reds go over there, blues go over there. And then you have, and you, you give them a challenge or a task or a question. And then you just have a little listen. But then you're also seeing what players are leading the group, what players are talking, what players aren't. There's loads of other strategies you'll do where you'll test them in different ways. That might be an outcome just to see how the players react. You know, if you're doing certain point systems or whatever, how are they, one outcome might be how they're dealing with that resilience of going and, and suffering, going goals down and how they come back. That might be an outcome for the session. And then you've got to think like, is it appropriate? Is it relevant for those players? Is it relevant for all or is it relevant for just one or two? Because then you can start to design like, is it an individual challenge or is it a team task challenge? And without getting too deep, because we could go even deeper and deeper, couldn't we, in terms of details, but I think I'm always thinking about the players and their needs and relevance. Then it's like our principles, our values, what do what what makes us who we are that that and the non-negotiables. Because do the outcomes, you know, promote opportunities for that or not? And then I'm probably also thinking about the language, like the vocab piece is a huge piece in terms of clarity. Because when we're talking about clarity, I think it's, you know, you, you're right. Like, there's there's outcomes for coaches, but ultimately it's about the players. So, for me, the clarity piece is like, does that kid walk off the field or that adult and he's walked away going, like, I understood what the relevance to me was for today? Or does he leave that pitch thinking, like, that wasn't for me. Uh, I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't really understand what we're doing. Because how often do coaches say, do you get it? Everyone understand? And I always used to hate those questions because we've all done it where we go, everyone understand, get it. What do the players say? They just nod or they say yes. But how that isn't a good way of checking for understanding or getting clarity. Do you see what I mean? So, And obviously the best way you get to see if clarity is working is your observation. You know, if they're doing it, maybe perhaps that's one way, you know, uh, whether it's by accident or by design, them showing you can be a way of checking for understanding but equally i think you've got to you've got to engage with players you've got to engage with them you've got to ask them questions i'm a big believer in co-design so these are like my checklists if you like um and i'll try and design stuff even though i've got my session pre-planned throughout the session you're always talking to players you're always asking them you're always trying to involve them in the process of how you can make it more challenging or less challenging or how can we outplay this or how how does it align with our principles and our values? So thinking about the outcomes linked to that, um, because there'll be certain non-negotiables that you have as a club that you'll want to make sure you do. How how does it align with their age and stage and where they're at? So everything's coming back to the players all the time. It's coming back to the players. And then I also mentioned about in terms of co-designing, you know, I'm really big on finding ways um to again 
how can we make this more challenging? How can we make this less challenging? What's your challenge? Here's your challenge. Five minutes. I'm going to watch you go away and have a think about it. You know, I'm big on those type of things because you're involving the players. So I always use this like three-eye approach, um, which I didn't mention before, but it's just coming to my mind now, which is often we're informing, but how well can we inspire and involve? And I think that's a great concept to have a think about, you know, in your coaching is how well are you informing and, but more importantly, inspiring and involving players? Because it's about the players. And I think, you know, again, like checking for understanding, making sure that how do we check for understanding? What does that look like? Because the clarity piece has to come from them. You know, it's no good that we just understand. We've got to make sure that the messages are landing and the resident, really relevant and, and resonating with the players. But equally, the players drive it because they'll come with strategies and solutions and ideas that we might not always think of ourselves, you know, and that's okay. So I think the more we can involve them, that's my sort of checklist, if you like, Um, you know, just in summary of what I mentioned before. Yeah, no, I think it's spot on. I think there's something really key that you mentioned there as well, is that the, the types of questions that we utilise as coaches to really clarify that, that you know, the understanding and, and, and the, uh, the awareness of what we're working on within the session. You know, I, I often say to coaches, one of the worst questions you can ever ask is, for a player is, do you understand? No, that's not going to tell you anything. And if, you know, if, if, if any of us are uh, still young enough to remember what it was like to be a player and have a coach and someone says, do you understand? Nine times out of set, nine, nine times out of hundred, we're going to say yes because we know that's going to be the quickest route back to getting the ball rolling again. So I think that yeah, that is it's really something to kind of um, make a note of. Initially, really ask yourself what is it that you want them to understand from what you said, and how can you factor that into the question. So one of the things I like to use is you know, who's confident enough to explain back to me what I've what I've just what I've just said, or who's confident enough to explain to me what I'm expecting. Um. Now, all of a sudden, some of those guys that maybe had their hands up all the way are now kind of, you know, bending their arm 50-50. They're not too sure where they want to go with it, where they are, whether they are sure, they're not sure. And that's what you want. You want you want that clarity. You want the identification of, right, who's very confident in what they've understood, even if they're not on the right track. Who's confident enough to explain it? Because that will tell you enough about the situation as to whether your communication was effective. It's interesting that, you know, I was having a conversation with someone just yesterday about players' outcomes and whether you know how important it is for them to even understand what the outcome is um, before they actually go go on go on board to achieving it, and I think and, you know, and how important it is for them to maybe be part of that process. We talk a lot about co-design, and so I know it's something you've mentioned quite a lot in the past as well, Gerard. And that co-design piece is so key because ultimately, you know. The coach's role is not to necessarily set the outcome. The coach's role is to support the player in achieving the outcome that they set for themselves, in my opinion. Um, now, sometimes that means that the coach has to support the players or the individuals around the potential outcomes that they could be achieving or could be working towards because maybe they haven't considered certain things. And it's that age-old thing of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, but also, I think it's important within that process, not only co-designing the outcomes but co-designing the processes in which we plan on following to get to the outcome so is the player aware depending obviously on the age stage have we had enough conversations to build enough self-awareness for the players to, to recognize what type of coaching works well for them why and where whether it's actually been affected 
um, effective. Sorry, you know, one of the conversations that another conversation I was having in the last couple of days was around a player who was asked a question about a particular coach that they were, that's been working with him for the last couple of years, and the question was basically along the lines of, "Do you think you would have developed as much as you have if you didn't have this coach?" And I, my, my first thought was, I don't know how good a question that actually is, because for a young player who's seen a pivot, who's seen a, a peak in development, if you like, they may automatically attach it to the fact that they've been under the tutelage or, or the guidance of one particular individual coach um, and not recognise that actually that coach, although they have improved whilst working with that coach, that coach might actually have nothing to do with that process. And it's not to say they have or they haven't, but it's just, again, for me, helping unpack for the players their self-awareness around, right, what is the outcome? How are we planning on getting there? What actually works for me as an individual? And how do, how do you, as a coach, play a role in that process? So, I mean, there's, there's a few different considerations, a few different kind of perspectives to look at from there, but you know, I'm conscious of time and I wanted to get everyone else's thoughts. I don't know if you had anything to kind of um, add to that, Joe, before we let, let anyone else come involved. No, I think you. I think there's so much detail that you've added there, and I, I completely agree. Um, and I agree, yeah. To get, I know Johnny's uh, put his hand up, so we can get to Johnny first as well as some of the others. But I agree, and I, I think some of the key words that stood out to me there was one, the process, and I think that importance of really thinking about how do we design that environment for that individual, which is our role. We're we're, we're a learning designer, so really thinking about that. And the other thing I was thinking about was journey. As you were talking, I'm writing things down and I was thinking, like, what's the learning journey for that player? So if we're thinking about clarity and we're thinking about making sure that real big rocks, real key messages are landing, what does that journey look like? What are some of the experiences that they'll need to have? We can't plan that out entirely. That's impossible. You know, like organically things will evolve over time. But if we can try to create some steps for them and some challenges and some bumps and some different obstacles, it's going to give them more things to have to try and overcome and become stronger at and develop. And that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about that process. I was thinking about that individualization. And I think it's key because then everything just keeps coming back to the player. So if we're talking about clarity on our outcomes, it's coming back to that player. Um, so no, brilliant, mate. Really good. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that in the final piece before we let Johnny on there is, you're right, it does come back to the player. But I think a lot a lot of the question and a lot of consideration, Rob, should be here for the coach to understand, actually, do I, as an individual coach, have the necessary skill sets, knowledge and um, application of behaviours that this player actually needs based on what we've identified to be the process for them, if that makes sense. How effective right. are going to be in that process? You know, it's all well and good saying, yeah, you're the coach and, you know, you have to flex and adapt to the players, but have you actually got the skill set that they need in that moment? And I think that's... Well, you might not have it, though, coach. might you? Well, we might not. So it's, but then you know, do, you, do you need but, it, though? Because in some cases, we're all learning, aren't we? So we're all getting better the more levels we have. But then can you learn through the players? You know, like take a, a novice coach, for example, who, who really is starting out for a beginner. But they can probably learn through observation by going on that little discovery with the players, can't they? Without being too exposed. No, one hundred percent. And I think it is. It is a journey. And you know, the way I look at coaching, 
you know, I often say now the definition of coaching is, to me is what is is that the coach's role is to support the individual with the participant or the athlete or whoever it is in whichever context it doesn't have to be sports related it doesn't have to be anything that it's to take the participant from point A to point B with point B being decided by the you know by being set by the participant themselves now the way I look at it is there's three modes in which that can occur we take the word coach you know um, it's, you know if Joe if I'm your coach it could be times where I'm driving that coach literally I'm driving the bus Right. And you're just observing. It could be other moments where I've said, right here, George, there's a, there's a driver's seat. I'm going to be in the passenger seat. And there's other times where I recognise, actually, Joe has broken down. I need to get out and push him, push him back to get him started again. So it's just recognising what role you're playing at any given part of that journey. Um, but the key thing for me is always that the participant themselves or the group of participants themselves will have a very key part in deciding what the end goal is for that for that initial stage of, of their journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even like before, there was something that you said right at the start, which was about the coach as well. Like it can all, it can be for the coaches, even as you're talking there. And I think you bang on on that as well, because there are times where, I mean, I've been selfish. You know, like I'm going back to that point you just made there, like do we know or have we got the skill set? And I'm thinking about years ago at certain levels, I've put on sessions and sometimes done almost like the same activity, but in a slightly different way, but pretty much the same, just because I didn't quite get it right the first time. I've sort of figured stuff out now and I'm learning as I'm going. And they're exposing me. A bit like that image on Twitter where someone's designed something and the mouse or the rat goes over the top. And it's a bit like that. Like players will find out, players will cheat the system. They'll quickly learn how to um, cheat and disrupt the scoring mechanism. And with some players I've worked with, like I'm talking about some like the international players or like some top academies, sessions that I've done a million times and they've worked well, haven't really been that challenge. Or they've I've sussed it out and they've done something where I've gone, I didn't even think of that. Oh, God, what do I do now? But then that's good because, like as you said, like from a selfish point of view, for clarity on the outcomes and being able to manipulate stuff. From a coach, like we can get out what we want to get out of it as well, can't we? So, you, I think it's interesting to go both ways because I think for me, you know, I've had plenty of situations and probably maybe didn't really do this in the earlier years, but especially more in the, more in the recent years when I work with players, I'm very open and honest and be like, right, you know, here's a practice I've never tried before. We're going to try it. This is what I'm hoping to get out of it. Um, let's see how it goes. Do you know what I mean? And it becomes right. a collaborative process so that it's not a case of, yeah, I'm the coach and I'm on that journey with you, but actually. I'm not leading you on a journey. We're actually going through this journey together. Um, and I th- and I feel like that, but that that openness and that vulnerability of being able to say, you know what, actually, this might not work. Um, but let's figure it out together. Adds a different, you know, dynamic to the relationship that you have with your players as well. And I think that you can have that selfish piece in there because. You know, even within that selfish piece, there's probably enough planning consideration gone into actually how is this going to support the players as well as give me what I need as a coach, if that makes sense. No, great shout. Absolutely. And I think the vault, I mean, you're touching on other things now, which is really key, like leadership. Again, like we talked about co-design before, but that ability to, to lead in a different way and show vulnerability, but also show empowerment. And and I think all the stuff you're talking about there is is, is cool, like really good. And it just shows a safe space. Like if you can get there as a coach and you're comfortable in your own skin and you create that culture and that environment with your players, you know, it's a pretty cool place to be. 100%. Johnny, 
Good evening, man. How are you? Hey, fellas, am I coming through okay? Perfect. Perfect. Awesome, right. I see Sheep, Kieran's jumped on. Sheep, I hope you're doing all right after today, buddy. If you need me, give us a shout, but that's away from this space. Um, I'm looking at the, the question, boys, you know, how do you get clarity? And I've just written a few things down. I want to throw it at you. Um, the, the big part for me, if I know I've got a season with a group, is, is building your, I think the big term is the culture architects, but it's the players you know you can trust within that group. And there's usually two, three or four of them that you know that will be brave enough that will ask you questions within your sessions or throughout the season. So I think it's important to build those relationships within the groups to get clarity on it. And then just other ways that are in my head is things like whiteboards and tactic boards around the pitch or next to the drinks bottles. So when the boys come in or the girls come in for a drink or a rest, they can they can see it written away from you and detached from the session. I've done crazy things like asking parents uh, who usually don't get to hear you, but if you've built up a, a good relationship with them, you can ask them what they think and what's going on. And and yeah, there's a couple of ideas. I'd, I'd love to know what you think about that. I think it's top class. I love the piece around cultural architects, but even... I agree with you. Like the whiteboards is a great resource because, as you said, even just having it where it's away, but they, as they're coming in, they're looking at it, they're getting a feel for it. I think anything we can do pre and giving them objectives, giving them the plan, even doing a walkthrough, I think it's all good. Or I'll have opportunities where, um, you know, they can see what we're working on, but they can obviously let us know what their individual objective is within that practice or that day and who's going to support them. I think those are all key ways of, of doing that and checking for understandings, setting attainable goals, all this type of stuff. Um, I agree with you. I love the parent piece as well because it just goes back to that asking somebody else and getting their perspective. But I think that's a great way of involving because we often, as you know, Johnny, like we don't always involve the parents. I think some environments are almost like stay away, but actually finding a way to involve them is really clever because that will influence the car ride home or to uh, the game or to the practice. And I think that's a great shout what you mentioned there, especially if you're talking about cultural architects, because again, we're not going to be able to control everything the parent can say, but if we can have a really good influence and, and you're almost educating the parent through the child and the child will end up educating the parent just by some of the vocab that's being used. I think that's really cool. It just involves, and like everyone, like we've got kids we want to know what's going on in their lives. Like we want to be involved, don't we? Because, you know, we've got experiences and we, we, we want to help. So the more in the loop we are, the better. So I think that's a great shout. Yeah, I think just on that as well, you know, you talked about having a whiteboard. I remember uh, when I was in the academy at Watford, one of the key things that we were pretty much all asked to do as coaches was, right, have the session plan up, have some key outcomes written up on a whiteboard as they're coming in. We don't have to necessarily refer them to it. What it does do, it gives an opportunity for them to actually explore the content of the session in a different way without having to actually necessarily direct it for them. It might even be that some of them are more visual learners, so they prefer to look at pictures and images. Um, so I think that's a great, definitely a great shot. And obviously, you know, within the, within the whiteboard, you can, you can use it for so many things. You can, you can pose questions on it that that you put, you might you might or might not follow up on just to get them thinking around different things. Um, 
it might be a question or a consideration that you put in there that you want them to see whether they can bring it alive in the session. So I remember one particular, you know, one, one particular thing I used to do, I can't remember the specific things I put on it, but I'd always say, here's the thing, here's an image of the, of the, of the pattern of the practice. There's a bit, of, a bit of an instructional aspect of it in terms of the session plan itself. Because I would always say is, right, um, the challenge today is can you bring out some of the following things in today's session? And then sometimes we'd recap it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, you know, if I, I kind of leave it open, right? If you, if you feel like you've brought something up from that list, then you can come and let me know because um, I might have missed it. Or if it's something that you've brought up on that list, then I'll, I'll make sure that I've raised it in front of everyone and we can see it as best practices, you know, just to kind of give it a different aspect. And it's not that I found out, you know, that they're actually being observed. They're actually, they actually are being watched because someone is actually paying attention to what they're doing. Um, and then it, it's that so she's going to kind of in from that perspective try and reinforce it try and reenact it and try and you know recreate it as often as possible but the piece beyond it for me is not the behavior itself it's actually then having the recognition of actually i did do this or actually you know not only did i do this but this is the this is the, the impact the effect it had you know, i think back to a couple of weeks um Support coach, and I, was, I know the group that well now. And there was a girl that she made a particular movement and created herself some space. Um, but I wasn't able to kind of intervene or say anything in the exact moment that it happened. So I called her over, and this was maybe literally four or five seconds later, and it was just like, right, you know, that was really good what you did there. And she gave me a thumbs up, and I was like, that thumbs up and that look that she's given me means that she's going to take it, but she ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. I just asked her, you know, do you, do you have any idea why I thought what you actually did well there? And she's like, nope. <laughs> she just gave me the thumbs up. I said, okay, so why are you giving me a thumbs up then? And she goes, oh, because you said, oh, all right, fair enough. Well, let's, let's unpack it. Let's, let's go back. And what I thought was me highlighting for her what I actually observed. I just asked her a couple of questions around it instead. I was like, okay, can you just explain to me what you remember from what I, you know, that, that brief moment a few, a few seconds ago? And, you know, we talked through it. And then she would just... She was explaining back to me what she remembers from the situation, but she didn't actually see what was well done within it. So it was, you know, very briefly, it was almost like she made a movement which created some space for her, but she actually went one way and then went the other way. But the defender that was with her actually, she managed to create two, you know, yard or two uh, meters of, um, yard or two, um, just bit of space away from the defender. So maybe she didn't recognize that it was an effective piece of movement because she didn't receive it. But off the back of that, she's like, okay, yeah, actually, I do get it. You know, I didn't even did that, but now I'm going to be more conscious of doing it again. So just things like that, that, you know, when you throw it in there and you highlight the things for them rather than being explicit about oh, you did this or you did that, sometimes it's about ch challenging them and checking them on their recall and then as well. And that could, in my opinion, as a great uh, 
terms of cement some of that clarity around the outcomes that they are achieving within the session and beyond. Johnny, I see you've got your hand up there. I don't know if you've got anything you want to kind of respond to back off the back of my, my myself and Joe's comments. You know, it's it's not too much respond. It's just something else that's come into my head. Is that that um, what what about um in terms of outcomes for the players on the pitch? So you know, you send them out on a match day. What do you guys think around having maybe completed passes or a number of interceptions or one v one dominances in games? Do you, you know, what's what's the line that you guys think about setting the players their own outcomes? Yeah, I, th- I mean, we I still do it. I think, again, it's all individualised, isn't it? And it also depends on the level and the level of the team. I think if there's ways in which you can create games within a game, that's better because some teams might be struggling, you know, if we're talking to people working at, let's say, a grassroots level or whatever, and just that ability where the number of passes or it might be how many times you can beat a player 1v1, that might be a, a little win for them. You know, the scoreline is whatever, but actually you're creating another type of scoreline, you know, to help the team. And even with decent players, academy players or, or high-level players, I think giving them individual challenges, objectives, 100%. And I think utopia could be that the players are the ones coming up with their own challenge, you know. Um, and it may have to be that maybe the coach has to set it to begin with. And then you can involve the players. But I know, you know, I used to work at Rochdale. I've done it at most environments I've worked at. Um, the players would come up with their own, you know, for today, whether it would be the number of type of crosses, whether it be how many times they can find ways to play forward. And then even then, or number of interceptions, or it might be number of times they're tracking the runner. You know, Dan Ad said, I always remember him, one of his objectives, a big one, was his, his ability to track runners. Um, and that was linked to his individual plan. And it was something that he became better at. But also his dad was involved because his dad um, was basically given a task of like tracking it notationally. How many times he did it well, how many times he didn't. And it was good, you know, because his dad could obviously quantify it. We were involved in the parent, whether people agree or disagree. You know, if you've got analysts or you've got whatever, then great. You know, you've got that um, quantifiable data that might be a bit more objective. But, you know, it was good for us. It worked for us because it also, you know, that dad is watching the game anyway. And mainly he's watching his son. But actually now he was really focusing on, rather than thinking, oh, don't listen to the coach and you should have took this shot and don't pass to him because he never pa-. He's just looking at how many times does Dan track his runners. And he was like, oh, God, you know, I've probably eight times at least. He's not done it once. You know, oh, he's done it well in the second half. And then, of course, that led to a, conversation in the in the car ride home and stuff so like that was really good you know for Dan in particular um and I think if you if they can create their own objectives you're on to a, a win-win because it, you know playing forward like we did it where one of my roles where we had the analyst we were able to have that conversation with the player a bit like Yaz was on about before and the player was like yeah I didn't actually feel that I couldn't make those forward passing runs because the options weren't there or Actually, in this particular half, the opposition were defending like this. So it prevented me from being able to do this. And we were like, wow, love it. Like, great analysis, great self-reflection. Um, the kids recognising they might not always be on to play that forward pass or that Hollywood. You know, a bit like we saw with, um, you know, uh, Reese James hitting, you know, forward passes the weekend into Sterling and things like that. You know, or, or what Trent always does. It might not always be on to depending on how the situation of the game and the shit. So we looked at that. I was like, wow, this player's given us 
detailed reasons why he didn't get on the ball enough to do that. So, yeah, I, I think it's great, mate. Yeah, I think just to add to that, it's all Johnny, you know, I think for me, I think it's really good to obviously have the individual targets, but I think it's really important that we um, recognise, as you know, something, something similar to what Joe said earlier, the players are always going to look for loopholes. Um, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to fall into that trap of setting individual targets, such as complete passes, etc., that take that that, well, that could that could take them away from the outcome of achieve you know outcome of the game itself. So I guess you know when you're looking at completed passes, how important is that in comparison to maybe the type of passes they're completing? And if you're going to go for completed passes, it might be right. How do we break that down? Do we keep it? Do we do we keep a tally of what passes were completed and which direction they were completed in? What the distances went on? Obviously, getting to a deeper level of detail there. But I think if we just go down the surface level of right completed passes, you might get players just to try and get higher numbers on that. Um, just making passes which are not necessary, if that makes sense. So I think it's just sort of outlining for yourself, right? If we do use this as a measurement tool, what are the things that could go wrong? In, not to say go wrong, but what are the things that, where are the pitfalls in, 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 this, in this tool of assessment, if you like? And I think that's just something really important to consider. So I think for me, it's always looking at, right, what's measurable, um, but measurable in terms of impact. So it might be, right, how many complete passes did you make that led to us being able to create create a goal scoring opportunity as an example. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it has to be the final pass. It could be right. Did your pass play a play a you know play a role within the sequence of passes that led to the goal scoring opportunity and then kind of look at it like that. But then obviously you then got to think about measuring that type of things obviously dependent on more variables which might not be in the player's control as well. So it's recognizing that right, whatever I'm gonna measure, where does it fall in terms of actually being effective, relevant, useful information and targets, but also how much of that process and that outcome is controlled by the individual. So I'll give you an example of that. You know, if the players if the players putting the ball in every day <laughs> in every every game like 10, 15 times a game into the box, but the strikers aren't converting the chances, you know, you'd say, well that person's probably not going to get that many assists, but actually that's not down to them. It's down to the fact that they're providing the opportunities. They're just not being converted. So it's just looking at, right, within within whatever measurement that you're looking at, how much of it is down to them in terms of getting a success and how much of it is, is dependent on someone else's ability to perform within that process as well. Just a couple of considerations to make there, really. I, I, so I always love you, yes, because I think you always offer both sides of the argument, which is because when you were saying that there, I was also thinking that we, we talk about all the positives, but then there is that thing, Tony actually mentioned it a few weeks ago, he probably won't remember, but that the players are wrestling with enough in the game. Like the game itself is a lot to think about. So it's that balance, isn't it, as you were talking about, that there are positives, but then the the, the negative could be that we're potentially giving them, it might be too much or it might be distracting them or whatever. So, yeah. 100%. And I, and I think just on that as well, I think it's really important to identify, again, coming back to the topic of the conversation tonight, is what is the outcome and are the targets and the, you know, the things that were setting in place and then assessing the players on directly aligned with those outcomes. I mean, I see so many, so many times that coaches set players' targets or set players' um, you know, things to achieve within the game and it's just like, well, how are you measuring it? Well, we haven't actually thought about that. 
So then how do you know they're going to achieve it or they're not going to achieve it, whether the way in which they are supposedly achieving it is actually an effective and impactful way of doing it. Um, and then just within that, you know, kind of going to the other pieces, how much have you paid attention to how the the variables around it, such as the opposition behaviours, opposition actions, and even the players on their own teams' behaviours and actions are impacting on that performance. So, like, you know, I give the, I give an example that I use quite often is that, you know, a team, you know, I've spoken so many coaches in the past, we say, yeah, my team's really good at playing out from the back, but what you actually establish when you look at it and break it down is they've actually never been pressed. So, of course, you're going to be good at playing out from the back, and all of a sudden you come up against a team that likes to press, press from the front, and now you're not good at playing out from the back anymore. So, you know, the, the question I ask is, well, were you ever really good at playing out from the back? Or did you want to add a bit more to that sentence and say, well, we're good at playing out from the back when there's no pressure? You know, and that's not, that's not to be, you know, harsh or malicious in any way, but just really setting the scene around what's actually happening and really being a critical one observing, observing, right, this is what's actually happening. This is where the success is occurring. And these are the challenges that we are yet to face or potentially yet to overcome. Um, so just, you know, just another thought on that. Love it, mate. I think it's top class. Tony. Good evening. Yeah, can you hear me all right? Yeah, perfect. Hope you're well. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, Again, another interesting discussion. um, Without the hordes of people that last week's... uh, managed to draw in. Um, Just a couple of points, really. In terms of clarity of outcomes, uh, I think that the point that Yaz was making about if we give too many individual... uh, Correct me if I've got the point wrong. If we give too many individuals within the team too many individual outcomes, we end up with a game that doesn't look like a team game anymore. So if I give a player, you know, can you hit... 25 diagonal passes in a game. That player is going to look to do that all the time, which is unrealistic because that's his individual target. What I've produced over the last few years, depending on, for, well, I've done it for different formations, is a roles and responsibilities sheet, which is positional. Um, so there might be three things in possession, three things out of possession that I'm asking players to do. Now, if they could tick off two out of the three in in each of those things, then that should answer some of the questions about whether they've been effective or not in the game. Are they doing the things that their position uh, requires of them? The other thing um, was just an idea, really. I don't know that anybody's ever tried this. Um, Almost like a... I want to call it key factors because I'm so old-fashioned, like a key factors bingo. So a different way to use your whiteboard might be to write down five or six things that you want to see in a session. And when one of them comes out, this, so we, we write it on a whiteboard, leave it at the side of the pitch. When one of those things comes out, get the player to go over and tick it off. And if you position yourself near the whiteboard, you can ask him to explain it there and then. Um, because if you wait five, ten minutes for a water break, there's a good chance that that player's forgotten why he went over and ticked the board. So the fact that he leaves the pitch for 
10 or 15 seconds is irrelevant because it'll present his team with a challenge anyway, whether they're numbers up, numbers down, whatever way, whatever constraints um, you're working with. So that just might be a little challenge that actually I might do with myself this week because I've come from an environment in the last 20 years where I've only worked with pro academy kids uh, and I'm now making a sort of a reverse journey, if you like. I'm now working with grassroots kids who, when they turn up for a session, aren't necessarily used to it being as structured as I make it. They might have had three different coaches during the whole of last season, whereas on the whole, they'll have me for the whole of this season. So I need to make sure that we're all on the same page. I find that I'm now using a tactics board a lot more than I ever did in the academy. I find that I'm speaking uh, to the players in front of their parents far more than I ever did when I worked in the academy to, to try and tick off some of those things that you've already spoken about tonight. Help the car journey home. I've already told all the... We use Heja as a... Or Heja, whatever it's pronounced as our communication tool. So that roles and responsibilities sheet, for example, has been sent out to all the parents and all the players via Haya. They can see what it is I need from them when they're playing in those positions. Um, I've already told the parents and the players what next week's training focus will be. Um, whereas in the past, in the academy, we just worked to a syllabus. Um, you turn up that week... I'm not even sure that we shared it that much. So whether that's poor practice or not is, is fairly irrelevant. We just didn't do it. But the coaches knew what we were working from. They would put that over to the players at the start of the session and away you go. Tony, I think this is some really good stuff. I think one of the questions I did have... Oh, you first yeah, no, I was just going to say, I've just got to kind of ask Tony there. Now, you said that starting to use your tactics board a little bit more. Um, do you find that you're, you're having to do that because maybe the players are now coming from such different points of their journeys? Whereas obviously, you know, within the academy setting, um, they're very much aligned and there isn't too much maybe di difference between them in terms of their their understanding of where they're currently at. Of course, you're going to get some people a bit more raw than others and some people are newer to the system. But there's, there's, a, gen there's a general kind of... Um, you know, a set learning period which they've probably already kind of gone through and really understand what's expected of them. Yeah, so I'm using it now more to explain uh, pitch setup, for example, uh, to show them what it is I think or how the session should run. Real basic stuff, not going into it in any great depth. So if we were doing a, um, a defending outnumbered, which is what I was working on with them last week, three v three defenders, four attackers, uh, little thing, can you see the number on the back of his shirt? Showing them by pushing the magnets around into position so the person pressing the ball was the highest of the three defenders. So they may know that already, but because I don't know where they're coming from, because it's a new team to me, uh, for me, it gives uh, a really good visual, um, uh, you know, a, a clues and uh, for them. 
Yeah, no, that's what I, I mean. I anticipate that'll be the outcome there. So, I mean, I think it's really important to understand, obviously, within that, you know, you're really just kind of really just checking in constantly, really just managing the expectations and understand and, and bringing their focus back to the task at hand, which I think is really, really key in terms of this overall topic around getting clarity in the outcomes. Do they have enough clarity in what the, what the process is and where they're trying to end up before they can even get to that outcome as well? So, yeah, no, really like that. Gerald, I think you was going to add something already. No, I just find it really, really fascinating. I was smiling, you know, listening to Tony because it was making me think about even some of the grassroots environments I've worked at in America, how we'd use very similar apps to what you were talking about, Tony, there, what you're referring to. Like, I've used TeamSnap, um, you know, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Sports Engine. We're now using Playmetrics and everything from communications, team uh, session plan, what the objects is what we're working on. You can track attendance, all these type of things. And it was just made me think about like, why didn't I, it's a topic for another day, but like we didn't do a lot of that in some of the other academies or, or clubs that I've worked at before. And I think it is best practice because a lot of the clubs I've worked at abroad, they're very good at sharing information with the parents, sharing information with the players beforehand. Um, and I just think it really helps. And it's fascinating. Um, it was just, especially if we're talking about clarity and we're talking about understanding it, measuring where they're, where they're at, but then also finding ways to um, stretch and challenge them. I think it's just, it's just fascinating. Uh, loved it. And I love that example of, it's a little bit like gamification, isn't it? Where you're getting them to run off ticket. So then they're, they're identifying that that was something that was achieved. As you said, it will naturally create overloads, underloads. It's not going to be the end of the world. It'd be good. It could create an opportunity where that kid could explain to the group why that was, what what it was, or, or not. If he thinks he's achieved the outcome and it wasn't, um, it's just a super fun way um, to get kids to to recognise points and do it. I think that was brilliant. Really good uh, little thing. I'll end up trying it myself. I'll definitely. But you know, I'm, sorry, go on, turn. I think you were going to say something, really. Yeah. So, like I said, it, it, it is something I've done before in a, in a kind of a different format. So, we've used it before um, as like a noughts and crosses thing where you've got to, if you score a goal with your weaker foot, you go and tick it off. You score a, a, a volley, it's you can tick it off twice. If you score from ahead, you can tick it off three times. Just little different ways of, of doing that. And, you know, I've even done it with something which I really hate that, that kids were doing a couple of years ago with the bottle flip thing, you know, pulling pulling them off to, to do a bottle flip and they had to stay off the pitch until they made the bottle land. Just little things like that. To, to create different situations and, and different scenarios. And actually, the one that I mentioned tonight about the, the sort of the bingo thing, so we're going to work on transitions next week. So some of my key points would be secure the ball either individually or as a team. So that's one thing. Second thing, can you play or run forward? You know, I'm going to put them on the side of the pitch this week and just see what happens. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then, you know you get to know what you can do and what you can't do with your players. And what I'll probably do, uh, having thought about it while this space has been going on, is I'll send out a list of key points for transitions 
on our Haya group tonight um, and see if any of the parents speak to me about it. I think that's quite a key, key thing. I mean, one of the things I've, I've started to do in some of the environments I work in, I, I actually regularly collaborate with the parents, have conversations with them, get their thoughts, get their opinions. And I, I some kind of what Gerald was saying earlier, really, getting that parent involved in the process is so important, so vital. And I think as a culture in, in England in particular, I don't think we do it enough. I think there's almost this uh, you versus us kind of culture with the players and the parents. It's like, well, we've got to remember that the parents are going to have much bigger influence on the players than we have. And it might be sometimes, and I'll give, I'll give an example of a player that I was working with recently. He didn't really want to hear what his parents had to say because he didn't see them as um, people with any knowledge of the game, if you like. But actually, there's so many other ways in which they can support him. And I think you should recognise him as even just setting the expectations and roles and responsibilities within that player's individual process. How, what, what role does the parent play? Does the player understand what role the parent plays? Does the parent understand what role they're, they're best playing in that process. And it's not to say that we know what's necessarily best for them, but, you know, are we supporting the parents and aligning a collaborative, a collaborative approach around how we do, how we support each individual player? So if it might be, you know, I had a, had a conversation with a parent the other day who's talking about how sometimes he shares, you know, he asks questions and he delves deeper in, around reflective stuff you know, with his daughter, as an example. And I said, well... The reality is she probably doesn't respect your opinion in terms of football, football aspects. So when you're asking certain questions, you might not get the response that you're looking for. Whereas if you just focus on the stuff that's more individualised around it, you know, how did you how did you enjoy it? And you focus on the experience rather than the content piece of it, you might get a different outcome. And then it's, again, just setting that expectation and giving the parents something to consider around the types of questions they ask and the types of interactions they do have and what those interactions are really centred around. So I think it's a, re- a really important thing to consider there as well. Johnny, I see you've got your hand up, mate. Go, go for it. Yeah, again, maybe we're going away from the topic here, but do you think that the arm's length, I, I would say up here that it's an arm's length culture with parents, Is are we starting to realise that that's maybe the wrong way to do it and, and to actually figure out how we are as coaches and if our, our points are going over that we have to involve the parents a bit more? I think, you know, I think, I think you're definitely right. I think, I don't know whether, you know, I can't really speak too much on what happens abroad because, you know, I've, I've only got limited experiences of that. But what I would say is that I think it's not necessarily a new thing that's happened. I think if you look in the past and you, talk, you think about some of the, the players that have, have gone to become really effective and really, really, you know, have achieved a lot in the game, you do hear a lot about how their parents have been supportive. And quite often you do see that in those relationships, their parents have had a, have a really good relationship with the coaches and the people within the club. So I think it's not necessarily a new thing, but I think it's a thing where, as coaches, it's a difficult one, especially when you're, when you're early on in your journey, to kind of let go of that ego of, I'm the coach, I have the answers, let me deal with the work, and you know, you do what you, you just be a parent. Um, whereas one of the biggest observations I make is I think not enough coaches actually help the parents understand that understand the process and you know I, I stand I say this all the time I've never actually come across a parent that's ill-intended or wants to not support and not help but maybe they just lack an understanding or lack of, lack of you know that piece of ground how, what does that look like how can that how can that translate itself and what are the different ways I can support um 
so that you know as parents they're only, they're only going to do what they know and it's that age-old thing of you know they don't know what they don't know so can, how, how can we as coaches support them in understanding that process a bit more and again and I kind of go back to what I said a few moments ago can we can we come up with a plan where we are setting some clear roles and responsibilities within each individual's learning process each learning journey as players Love it. I think what's been really cool tonight is that not only there's lots of theory, but there's probably a lot of good practical examples, isn't there, shared of, of exactly how can you gain clarity on your outcomes. I think it's been a really cool discussion and definitely loads of interaction, which is pretty cool. I'd say just coming back to the, the, the first thing, which is finding ways we can gain clarity. Again, how well do we involve? How well do we inspire? And how well do we inform? And I think there's a good lot of examples tonight, probably from loads of different people around informing, inspiring and involving, involving being a huge piece. So, you know, I don't know if there's anyone else who, who wants to add anything, but just from my end, top class as always and really appreciate everyone's interaction. Anything from you, Yaz, or wrap up? No, I think I think I think you know it's a good point. It's a good probably right time to wrap up, isn't it? I think there's some really good uh, considerations made in the conversations. Hopefully, some some food for thought, some people to kind of take on board and think about how they do implement some of the collaborative processes. First of all, regarding parents, but more important, coming back to the topic in terms of how to really assess where clarity comes in and whether they're actually doing enough to get that clarity. And just because it's clarity for ourselves as coaches, doesn't mean it's clarity for the players. So I think it's just looking at it from different perspectives. You know, you know, even just club coaches and players alone, but even anyone else who's involved in that process, whether that be multiple disciplinary staff, other club staff, other players, do other players, you know, do, do players have enough of an understanding of each other's goals and you know, how important is that? And I think there's some different considerations to make and there's so many different ways we can kind of tackle this topic. But yeah, some really good stuff to come out tonight. And, and I just want to say a thank you to everyone that has been with us this evening. And as always, uh, myself and Joe, you know, are here pretty much most Sundays talking about different topics. If you ever got a topic that you want to hear discussed or do you know you want to uh, you know explore further with us then feel free to kinda of get in touch with us now. Um and beyond that, you know, myself and Joe are running a free webinar uh, next month actually. Um, on the twenty fifth of September around practice spectrum. So feel free to touch base and find out more about that. Absolutely free webinar, twenty fifth of September so you can get in touch with regarding that. Um make sure you're following us guys, you know, if you haven't bought the full uh, content of the conversation that we've had tonight and you know, the, the episodes will always be released as part of the Coaches Network podcasts um, on a Wednesday. Um, on that note, I'm having a few technical issues with my laptop um, so if there is any episodes or dates where you don't see an episode come out on the scheduled date, it will be up very shortly and um, as soon as possible so yeah, make sure you're following us make sure you get in touch, let us know your thoughts on tonight's conversation or any of the other ones we've had in the past um, and obviously of course if you're interested in learning more about and um, what we do as coach developers and some of the stuff that we offer, please feel free to let us know. Sure. Maybe just an opportunity just to share a bit more about you learn as well. Yeah, just obviously really appreciate everyone tonight. And again, loads of stuff that we're doing, myself and Yaz with the Practice Spectrum webinar and some other cool stuff coming up. You learnbly, if you haven't checked it out, feel free to check out a digital coach education platform where there's a lot of online courses, a lot of new content being added, stuff that's even involved in some of the UEFA technical reports. Uh, for example, I had uh, Cameron Campbell deliver a number of different online courses on the platform, one in which was 
assist location that he ended up uh, doing through his own studies as an under-18s coach at Rangers. And that actually featured in the UEFA technical report recently. So there's a load of content on there from football and, and other sports. So feel free to check it out and you know have a great rest of the weekend. Can't wait to see everyone uh, next week. And thanks again to everyone involved and, and yourself, Yaz. Definitely, guys. Take care. Have a good evening. Enjoy the rest of the bank holiday. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.